0: So recently, there was a family. They're the Millers, and they were living in London, England. And for reasons I'm not sure of, they were moving to Nashville, Tennessee. So from London, England, to Nashville, Tennessee, and the Millers had rescued a five-year-old dog named Bluebell. This was a a lab mixed dog, and Bluebell was going to move from London to Nashville with them, and. Uh, The owner, her name is Madison, Madison Miller, was really concerned about how Bluebell was going to tolerate the trip from London to Nashville. So she went down to Heathrow. They were taking uh, British Airways uh, out of Heathrow in London. And she said a really sincere goodbye to Bluebell as Bluebell was carted off to the cargo hold. And she got on the British Airways jet to fly from London to Nashville. Usually that's about a seven or eight hour flight, I imagine. And so she landed in Nashville and went to the pickup spot uh, to pick up Bluebell. And she was offered a dog there that just wasn't her dog. So what they found out had happened is that Bluebell ended up in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And so they, they jumped on this and worked on it, and it took 63 hours, almost three days and three flights, uh, for Bluebell to migrate her way from Saudi Arabia back around to Nashville. So Madison Miller said, you know, in her mind, she was really looking for this tail-wagging, face-licking, joyful reunion with her dog that, that had been lost. But what she got was a skittish, nervous dog with its tail between its legs that refused to be left alone for the next uh, week without uh, crying. And it even had chewed through one of the doors of their new house there in Nashville. And I tell you that story to simply say uh, the dog started off somewhere and ended up at a different destination. And I wonder if, for those of us in this room, we started somewhere back around Thanksgiving with the destination of saying, I'm going to be quiet, I'm going to meditate on the person and work of Christ, I'm going to really settle down this Christmas and and let the Holy Spirit feed me or, or make known to me the riches of who Jesus is. And then we ended up not in Saudi Arabia, but shopping, cooking, rapping, going to multiple social events and everything else. And we end up here, uh, perhaps, not all of you, a lot of you look really good, but if, if you're like me and many of us, you know, skittish with your tail between your legs and kind of jumpy. And hopefully you haven't chewed through any doors or anything over the last few days. But listen, you've arrived now, you're here, it's Christmas Day, and we can stop and settle down and say, who is this Jesus? Let us celebrate him. And perhaps to bring it home, an angelic announcement would really do the job for you uh, to clarify and bring this to light. So we want to look at that today from Luke chapter 2 and hear what uh, the angels have to say after Jesus has been born. So this is on page 11 in your worship guide and up on the screen. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What we're focusing on today is very simple: that Jesus, the Son of God, has been born as a savior and an anointed king. Jesus is a savior and an anointed king. And we want to look today, what would our appropriate response to his arrival, to his life, death, resurrection, exaltation be? What, how shall we respond? Well, the angel tells us the kind of news that this is for us. He says that it's good news, that's the first, is great joy and it's for all people. Good news, great joy for all people. And so we want to look at that today and say, how are you experiencing this annunciation, this announcement of Christ as good news? Well, he says one of the reasons that this is good news, he says, Unto you, you shepherds, you people who are at the bottom of the socioeconomic rank, unto you is born this day a savior, a savior. And you realize that we didn't cover the verse in Matthew that they named him Jesus because he could save his people from their sins. And Jesus has been forced in to all kinds of saving works in his time, economic and political and all kinds of things. But the real focus of scripture is that he's a savior for sinners to bring them out from under the wrath and judgment of a holy God. This week, uh, I was reading about the outgoing governor of Nevada. His name is Steve Sisolak. And Steve Sisolak tried to push through, he put on the docket and the agenda of the prison parole board, the idea of commuting the sentences of all 57 prisoners that were on death row to life in prison. And uh, this was trying to make its way through, but there was a big hubbub, and eventually the courts kind of squashed this. And Steve Sisolak, in the interview that I read, said that he saw this commutation of sentence as an act of grace, an act of grace. And I would say that stay away from the politics of all that, death penalty and everything, but as an act of grace compared to Christ, it's a weak act, You're just going from the punishment of death to sit in a cell and die in the end anyway. But Jesus, the Son of God, has come to bring a judicial salvation that's not part and not incomplete. It's full. And so how how would he do that? Well, he's the eternal Son of God become man, and he lived perfectly. He had a full righteousness. He pleased the Father in every way. The Holy One had no condemnation for him because he fulfilled all the demands of loving God and loving his neighbor fully. And then that innocent one goes to a cross and he takes the judgment and penalty of death for the sins of his people, bearing their sins in his body. And, And that really isn't good news to you unless you're convinced that you're guilty of capital crimes. Have you thought about this? that you and I are guilty of treason against the high king. And I commend to you watching uh, the movie or reading Henry V when he discovers the treasonous men within his ranks and he grabs them by the collar and he says, get you forth hence to your death. May God have mercy on you. That is the punishment for treason. That's the punishment for people who breathe the air and eat the food that the Son brings without thought of giving thanks to the Creator, with no concern of returning love for love to Him. And this is how we all function in the world. And Jesus has come to judicially pay that death penalty. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, by his death and by his resurrection, to be given to us as a gift received by grace through faith alone. And so is that you today? I really want to press in with you. How is your conscience today? We just had a time of confession. Did you just muddle through that or were you serious? And if you were serious, were you serious about bringing that confession to the foot of the cross, where the blood of the sinless Son of God cleanses away, all guilt, all shame, takes full punishment for the sins of his people. And if that's you, then it's good news, you can dance. You've been exonerated and removed from death row. Yes, physically we'll die, but Jesus says the one that believes in him will live even though he dies. Resurrection comes now to those who believe. And you see, this is good news. This is something that breaks through all the busyness and getting, you know, detoured from your destiny to Saudi Arabia or wherever you may have been to bring you back home and say, Jesus is a real savior for real sinners. And the great news about this, too, is that he saves not only judicially from the penalty and guilt of sin, but he saves his people from the reigning power of sin. The Scripture is very clear when it says that all of us are born into the world as slaves to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed, according to the Gospel of John. And so when a person trusts in Christ and is sealed with the Holy Spirit, the reigning power of a disaffection and rebellion towards God and a lack of love for other people is broken. and It doesn't mean that you don't struggle with those things. It doesn't mean that it doesn't introduce a fight and a struggle with sin into your life. We'll have that till the day we die, but sin no longer reigns in the person who believes. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Now, At this point in the sermon or at this point in the service, often we have testimony of a person who was outwardly sinful in some way, you know, addicted or in trouble or anything. And Jesus really does transform people and make them new. And those kinds of testimonies are very heartening. We should listen to them. But what about you if that's not your case? If that is your case, Jesus can set you free. He can break the power of reigning sin in your life. But if that's not the case, what does it look like that he's done? I just want to just give a casual example about this. Jesus can set you free from the need to be right all the time and to defend yourself all the time. Have you ever, recently, do you remember a time when somebody in your family circle or your work associates or whatever misunderstood you, accused you of something, suggested something that actually wasn't true about you and you set about to really defend yourself? I have a question this morning. Who dropped the metal thing in the the garbage disposal? It wasn't me. I I thought I would just make a public announcement about that. Who broke the grinder thing at the bottom of the sink? You see, it's just a casual example. See, Jesus can set you free from the need to be right, to defend yourself, to be proud, because he gives you his righteousness, and you don't have to build one of your own. He's a real Savior, not only from the judicial penalty of death for sin, He really brings reconciliation with the Lord, but He also gets in the heart by the Holy Spirit and can set us free from all those hang-ups and relational tics and things that aggravate all the people around us and make us shake our own heads about our own behavior that it really is progressive and it really is given by the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing that we want to say today. This is good news, isn't it? That Jesus has come as a real Savior for real sinners. The second thing that we want to say is that the angel prescribes to us great joy. I bring you good news of great joy. And what we want to tie the great joy to is that not only is Jesus a Savior, but he is also Christ, which we're going to summarize all that messianic... um, prophecy from the old testament to say that he's an anointed king he's a warrior king and he's the lord and here luke is already giving us a a foretelling that he is the eternal son of god become man that he is worthy of our worship he is co-equal father so he's not only the anointed king over all the nations but he's the living god become flesh what does that mean for us What that means for us today is that Jesus reigns over the nations. And he reigns over the lives of his people, so that if you belong to him, he's a warrior king, and there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. How does he reign over the nations? How is he conquering the nations? In love and through a minority persecuted people. Wake up everybody, look around the world. What's happening in the world? What's happening in the world is that people who are despised and rejected in societies all over the world are triumphing in seeing other people come under the rule and reign of Christ. In Iran, in China, in sub-Saharan Africa. And our perspective is warped about this in so many ways. Jesus reigns over the nations. And what the angels are prescribing, what the angels are what the angels prescribing for us today is that this would get down inside of us and bring great joy. What is, what is great joy? It's a heightened sense of delight and happiness. It's a, it's a sensation and a feeling. To, be, to really be experienced when we're convinced that things will be well. Um, I want to show a picture of my dog right now. You guys have that picture up there? I think once before I have showed you Smudge. There he is. Isn't he handsome? <laughs> I mean, he's really handsome. Notice the symmetrical markings on his feet and chest. And he looks really regal, doesn't he? And if you can get him to quit playing with you for a few minutes, you can hug him around his neck. He's all soft and squishy. Anyway, you can turn Smudge off. Now, I, I have developed a really big affection for my two-and-a-half-year-old dog who, with a sweet name of Smudge. And um, we, uh, Shelly and I, went out in the woods two weeks ago with Smudge. And what we do is we take him out to a wooded area so he can't bother anybody and turn him loose off his leash. And he runs like a he's just a joy to watch him run usually he runs around in circles and comes back and and flies by your feet and stuff but uh last time we were out he got caught he caught the smell of a deer or something and he was gone so now what are you doing you're walking through the woods going smudge smudge you're calling him calling smudge clapping your hands for walked all walked everywhere this is a big unbounded area and then you start to get sick feeling inside you know I've lost my dog you have to ask all these questions how long am I going to stand out here and call his name and walk around in the cold and do all this and so Shelly went she's driving up and down the road in the truck and she's got the window down going smudge smudge we're, we're doing all this Eventually, we both get in the truck. We're driving down dirt roads and everything, trying to find this guy. He is nowhere, anywhere to be found. For three hours, we're doing this, and he won't come back. So eventually, we had to resign and cash it in, and drove home, and started. She was going to make up index cards, and I was going to go get gas and uh, and whatnot. So by this time, I'm really praying. I'm seriously praying now, and it was really convicting to me. I haven't prayed for anything as hard as this in a long time, and. Uh, You know, you have all these visions, my poor dog's gonna be out there in the cold. There's coyotes out there where we live. There's all kinds of bad stuff. You just picture him like freezing in the cold, being chased by coyotes. Anyway, I said, Lord, please, the chances of me, you know, statistically of running across this dog at this point are really small. And um, I'm praying and I go back to the place where we initially parked and I heard geese squawking and dogs barking and I said, maybe maybe that smudge, and I called him and he comes running around, he's back. Yeah, see, you get that sensation with me? It was great joy. I got my dog back and there was a sense of joy. Now, you would say to me, if you're thinking theologically and biblically, I pretty had a shallow foundation for joy at that point, right? (laughs) But I just wanted you to get the sense, what is it like to say everything's okay? I found what I'm looking for. Things things are going to be fine. That's what you're after. Not based on finding your dog, but based on finding that Christ is an anointed, loving, benevolent king who's watching over you with tenderness. And even in the midst of your suffering, even in the midst of sorrow, beneath that surface, you can say with Teresa of Avila, All will be well, and all will be well, and in time, all manner of things will all be well. And the way Paul says that is that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just to ask you today the the question that Paul asked the Galatians, what happened to all your joy? What happened to all our joy? Where did it go? Well, one place it goes is that it gets lost in legalism. You decided you were going to pray for an hour every morning. It's a good, noble goal. And that lasted two days. And then you're hounded by guilt by that. Or it could be license. You know that you have volitional sins in your life that you're not dealing with. And you're preaching to yourself how much God loves you over again, but it doesn't ever land anywhere because your conscience is troubled. And those are joy robbers. And what about suffering? Well, one of the things that that has to happen is, is to be able to say, Christ is ruling in love even over my suffering. And He's able to take this world of sin and misery and bless it to me so that I know and taste his love beyond what other people experience. I want to be really careful here because I don't want to rub salt in anybody's wounds, but as you're suffering physically, emotionally, mentally, what you have then is a privilege to know the sustaining love of Christ beyond other people. And to have great joy in his reign, in his kingly reign. So this is good news because Christ is Savior. The penalty has been paid. It's great joy because he is a benevolent warrior king who watches over you. And you can rest and delight in that. And then the last thing that we'll say is that it's for all people. I bring you good news, a great joy that will be for all the people. And probably at this point in the narrative in Luke, he means the high and the low, the washed and the unwashed within Israel. But in the, in the Luke Acts narrative down the line, he's going to make it clear that all the people is all the nations of the earth, not just ethnic Israel. That Jesus has come to bring blessing and to make his blessing known as far as as the curse is found. And so that is for Pharisees. Are you down with that in the Gospels? That Jesus is always reaching out in love to the Pharisees. Even when he rebukes them and calls them whitewashed tombs, the rebuke is designed to elicit repentance. It's for Pharisees. And then it's for a woman that everybody in town knows she's a sinner. And he can say to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's for rich and poor. It's for Pontius Pilate, who's sitting in judgment over Christ, who's able to say to him, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you. Who, told, who said to you anything about the truth? Did you make that up yourself? Are you thinking about this or did someone else tell you that? Jesus is out looking for all people. This week I I read in Open Doors a story by Al Jensen. He was a friend of a man named Brother Andrew. And uh, this man named Brother Andrew was famous a generation ago, ago for bringing Bibles into communist countries. Now, if you think there's no risk to that, more recently, you see that Brittany Griner had some CBD oil or something like that, and they whisked her off to a Russian prison. No, you know, no debate, no anything, no appeals, no whatever. And, and this was 10 times worse situation back in the 70s and 80s when Brother Andrew was bringing Bibles across borders for persecuted Christians. And he loved people. He loved all people because Christ was in him. And Al Jensen tells a story that that he and Brother Andrew were meeting with the head of Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip. They were having a meeting. I'm not going to try to say the guy's name. And they were sitting and talking for about 45 minutes. It was a really tense interaction. And they were working through an interpreter who was uh, speaking Arabic with this uh, leader of Islamic Jihad. And suddenly, Brother Andrew jumped up and put his arm around the guy and said to Algins, take our picture together. And he got the guy to smile and whatnot, and it sort of broke the ice on everything. And they learned at that point that he spoke fluent English and had understood everything that they had been saying, that that was all just a power play. And in the end, they built a relationship with him in that meeting so that he could say, listen, uh, Brother Andrew, if you are in the Gaza Strip and you don't come visit me, I'll be very angry. I consider you all my friends at this point. And he said that some years later, Brother Andrew got a card for his birthday, From this man that said, I hope to meet you again and see you again as a friend. And if not in this life, maybe in the life to come with the Christ. So now within Islam, that might not mean as much as we want it to mean or or would like for it to mean. But the point is, is that this is good news of great joy for all people even people that might be your avowed enemies. And that includes within your family and across the political aisle and other religions. And it also means for you. You see, if it's good news or great joy for you, then you're much more likely to see it as good news of great joy for other people, Right? So what is it today? What is it that would block you from having a resounding joy in Christ and receiving it as good news? I just want to invite you uh, this morning to lay it down. Habitual sin, pride, hatred of another person. Um, There's only one group of people. There's one group of people that are barred from the all people. Who are they? Those who would refuse to humble themselves and say, Jesus, save me, a sinner. Everyone is welcome. May God raise up our eyes today so that we don't end up at a destination of anxiety and quizzling and tail between our legs and chewing doors. And may he reorient us to Jesus and the good news and great joy that flows from him for all people. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today for your word, and we thank you for bringing us here on this day that we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. Jesus prays to you. We want to pray for a powerful and mighty working of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we might today and in the week ahead take you to ourselves, with great joy, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand, please, and let's sing together.